just had one of those toxic wastes. Why do you do this to yourself? Well, I've remembered all of my stream stuff. So there's just, there's four drums of it. For those unaware, it's hazardously sour candy with the gimmick that they come in toxic waste drums. Mm. It's stuff that is designed to be actively painful to consume. It's not nice. And you are consuming it. I was bored. Am I understanding right that you've not been making enough mistakes on stream to have your punishment sweet? So you're like, well, I've got to get through them somehow. I guess I'll have them for fun. I mean, I'm the one that glued their fingers together once on this podcast. Because when I don't speak for 30 seconds, <laughs> I will play with things or think, oh, I have four fucking drums of the worst sweets on earth. In the mouth it goes. I'm not having a good time. The sound you're making sounds like you're putting more of them in. Oh, no, it's just you've got to constantly move it around, didn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't let it settle in one place or it'll just burn a hole in your tongue. You know, the tongue, one of the few things I've retained from primary <laughs> school, the tongue tastes different things on different parts. And these things taste horrible in a different way on each bit of the tongue. See, if only that were the case, that was a lie we were told. What? All of the bits of the tongue do all the tasting. There's not a nice, like, the grid where it's like, ah, oh, the bit is on the back left, the sweet's on the tip, or whatever. That's a lie. So you mean no part of the tongue is safe? No part of the tongue is safe. This is why all of the parts of the tongue are bad. Because if that map was right, you could just be like, oh, this sour sweet, I'll put it I've on I've been the... trying to keep it away from the sour bit. I'll put it on the sweet bit, it'll be fine there. No, there is no escape. I only remember two things from school. I remember the bit about the tongues. And I remember Stig of the Dump. Oh, God, I remember Stig of the Dump. I have not thought about that in... Mm-hmm. Oh, you unearthed a hidden memory somewhere in my brain. It's a... From what I fucking remember, there was a TV show as well, and the book they read me in school had a clip, little screenshot from the show on it. And from what I remember, it was about a cave boy that lived in a dump. Yeah, yeah, basically... Yeah, just just about just about a prehistoric man who lives at the dump, and this kid's like, "Oh shit, I've discovered like the missing link to our ancestral, you know, we're, we've we've solved evolution. We have got the evidence right here. I'm not going to offer him anywhere to live or anything. I'll just come visit him at the dump sometimes." Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you exploit the homeless, which is what the book's about ultimately. Yeah. It's an anti-capitalist manifesto. I will say, reading the Wikipedia about it, one nice thing. The the main character learns to communicate with, uh, with, with Stig, who doesn't have a verbal form of language. That's a nice... That's a nice thing, just because someone hasn't got verbal language doesn't mean they can't communicate. That's, that's a good lesson. Stick at the dump. I wouldn't want to say the whole thing's good. I remember bloody none of it, but... <laughs> no, I don't remember a bloody thing. It could be terrible. Yep. I remember Look and Read as well. Do you remember Look and Read? I remember Look and Read, yeah. And I very fondly remembered by by those rapidly approaching middle age. Yeah. So on on that whole areas of the tongue thing, it should t it should be fairly obvious that it's a lie because I googled a uh, taste map tongue, and there's like hundreds of of like images of taste maps, and they all tell you that the bits that taste the bits are in different places. Hmm. None of them agree where tastes where. I, I haven't looked it up. I took it as a fact when I was six years old, and I've just carried that with me until now. Hello. The fun thing, sometimes they teach you stuff when you're a small child that is not technically true. Oh, we call those lies. <laughs> no, it's, it's technical untruths. I've got to stop repeating facts I learned in school. None of them are real. You have to stop repeating facts you learned when you were like, you know, six through eight. Because the I learned it at school, therefore it must be true, is how we get fucking turfs and gender essentialism. And Thatcherism. I learned in school that it's these letters for chromosome, and that's, that's all there is. Do you know what I loved learning in school? What? History. I liked history. Yeah. History teacher once said I could have made a good historian. I wouldn't have. <laughs> I find the actual act of historianism dull. But I like hearing about, you know, stuff what happened. Tell me a story about a thing what happened. I can't, because it was my favourite subject. Well, not my favourite subject, that's pushing it. There's a subject I was pretty good at. But I learned, you know, predominantly British history. Yeah. In a British school. 
None of it's real! Yeah, yeah. All you learn is, hey, here were some kings. Yeah. And some stories about them. Don't ask about colonialism. Oh, absolutely not. We had a big fire in London. Then we had some sort of plague. Or did we really? And then... Couple kings and queens, King Henry VIII, who wants to do the rhyme. Divorce, beheaded, died, divorce, beheaded, survived. I, I remember that. Laura did the rhyme. Then there was World War II. Um, well, no, there was World War One. Read some poetry from that. Feel sad. Don't talk about just what a waste of life it was. No. Just, oh, they, they kicked a football around in No Man's Land on Christmas Day. How heartwarming it was. Let's... Oh, and then World War Two, unilateral good guys. Let's not talk about Churchill. Uh, well, the cigar. Remember the cigar, huh? Let's not talk about the rest of it. Jesus Christ! Yeah, colonialism. Never heard of it. Yeah. Ah, uh, but that's not why we're here today. We're not no. here for school fads. It's video mm. games. And by the way, that is where where history ends for Britain. <laughs> In, in the education system. Yeah. World War II, move on. Are video games great or perfect? Oh, that's pretty much the case <laughs> in the American education system, too. Yeah. It's an easier subject here. You ain't got no history. We, oh, oh, we get, I mean, we get, we get Martin Luther King very briefly. We oh, do a very brief ooh. section in February on Martin Luther mm. King. Yeah. Well, that's what's so good about America is everything gets a month and we don't even think about it for the entire month. No. People want... We'll just be like, move on. And even with something like that, you're saying Martin Luther King, I'm sure there are some very important facts that get left out of that story oh, when it's few. taught in schools, a you few. know? A few, you mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You know, any of the facts that maybe suggest that some people didn't act particularly nicely during that? I believe in, in an American school, history goes, we fought off the hated British, nothing happened at all. After that, civil war because of state rights. Yeah. Martin Luther King, obviously fixed racism, Obama's president. It's over. It's utopia. You know, it's all over. History is good. Wrapped up. Um, I mean, there's a couple There's a couple of things you miss in there. There's the, the, great, the great westward expansion. Um, now, we don't talk about really – there's a, there's a, an interesting perspective on how we negotiated the acquisition of that land. Oh, oh, the, the whole – Americans turned up to America and met the Native Americans and they just very – had a nice sit down over dinner and gave all the land away. Welcomed with open arms. Exactly. Totally fair exchange. Yeah. They were very happy to just give away all of their land, and that was a good thing. Right, right. So we get that. Uh, you know, the gold rush. We talk a little bit about the gold rush and the transcontinental rail. Again, some details left out of that, as I recall. Well, it's school. You want to keep it vague. Yeah, it's got to be punchy. You got to keep it moving, or those uh -huh. kids' attention spans will be completely lost. It's all about grabbing the crowd. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Weirdly, we don't talk a whole lot about the 1950s in Korea. Huh. Oh, okay. Well... You know, diners. Mm -hmm. You know, remember oh. how cute diners mm -hmm. are? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, diners, yeah, yeah. That's some 50s music. Uh, Vietnam. Now, Vietnam was entirely too fresh in the mind, at least when I was in school. I don't know if they teach anything about Vietnam now. Probably not. But, like, I had teachers who were there, so... Well, here's the thing. Vietnam's a bit too recent, but... 9-11 is where America was hero. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm sure I'm sure that they dedicate an entire month to 9-11 yeah. also. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Don't worry. There's going to be plenty of time for us to talk about American revisionism on this episode oh, of this can video we? Game podcast. Should we, should we start with that? Because there is some, there is sure some America story this week. Yeah. Uh, so, six days in Fallujah. That video game that, like, a decade ago was gonna be a thing, it's back! It's, it's happening again! And I'm sure that that's the whole story. For anyone who doesn't remember, Six Days in Fallujah was, like, a big talking point in the games industry, like, a decade ago, because it wanted to be the serious documentary of war video games. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what they were trying to get across, was that, like, yes, we're not gonna be, like... Fun, silly gun, bang, bang guns. We're gonna, we're gonna tell a serious story for grown-ups and and about a real conflict. And it 
basically didn't happen because a lot of people who were in Fallujah were like, hey, this is real fucking recent, probably don't make it an interactive video game. It's probably a little too fucking close to having happened. And it's been picked up by a new developer. And, oh, oh, you just know how this is going to go because they did some early interviews about it and we got the headline, Six Days in Fallujah is not trying to make a political commentary. Peak game industry. Yeah. Peak game industry. Yeah. So, do we want to talk about Fallujah and why a game... I mean, I don't. I don't want to talk about Fallujah because it's, like, I am... Nor just Six Days in Fallujah. But that's the issue, is that I am placed in a position now where I am talking about Fallujah. Yeah. And I don't like that. I think we can say in the short version, America did some war crimes. I'm saving a lot of my opinion for Monday. Yeah, I imagined so. Yeah, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but... But fucking hell, come on! Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You fucking blanks! You absolute rifles! You stains! Oh my god! Cowards! So I think we can we can say the simple version of this is America killed a lot of unarmed innocent people. Like a lot of unarmed innocent people were killed for basically no reason. And reading through this interview on Polygon uh, that this headline came from, it's not trying to make a political commentary. That said, the game will show a very sympathetic point to the US military. Oh, will it? That's a political statement, you clowns. No, that's not a political statement. It's just saying soldiers are very sad that they did war crimes and they're very sad about that. Look. That's not a political statement, though. Here's the thing, okay? Fuck all video games. Yeah. What's the point anymore? Not all video games, just uh, the vast majority of the ones people give a shit about. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it just makes me sound edgy if I say that. I mean... Not that I'm trying to make a statement. I, well, I mean, even if even if it were possible to produce a piece of art that made no form of political statement and, you know, for the reality that making no political statement is itself a political statement. Just set all of that aside. It is not possible to accurately depict the events of Fallujah at all. Yeah. Without presenting some sort of side in it. Yes. And invariably the side you're going to show... (laughs) Yeah, there is no world in which I believe that, you know, this game was going to show, you know, the use of white phosphorus from the perspective of an innocent civilian who was about to get killed by white phosphorus. I don't believe that's a perspective this game's going to show. We can do that in Made Up Wars with Insurgents. Right. Just, you know, just some blanket name. Don't forget to put, and this is something I noticed in a lot of games, don't forget to put... All of the enemies in ski masks and balaclavas and just dehumanize them as much as possible. Rat-a-tat-tat. So the whole issue with white phosphorus, a weapon that just indiscriminately kills a lot of people, and if you use it near civilians, it's going to kill some civilians. Six Days in Fallujah is just not going to acknowledge that was a thing in, in that particular conflict. They're just... Apparently, they don't have an interest in doing it because it's it's a sensational thing that will distract from other parts of the experience, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was pretty sensational for the people who got hit with it, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not going to they're not going to talk about, say, depleted uranium munitions that were used. You know, that they're going to they're going to avoid a lot of that kind of thing. Well, it's messy. You wouldn't want to wade too far into those waters in your video game about a real-life historical event that you tout as trying to demonstrate a real-life historical event, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the more I read about it, the more it's just, this shouldn't have been brought back. This game, at least with the mindset that it has been brought back with, probably shouldn't be a thing. Who the fuck asked for it? Outside of those involved with it, and I've got to wonder how many on the team are like, oh, this is 100% a great idea. <laughs> it's just, who asked for this? Ah. Someone bring out Faith in a 45. 
Someone do Faith in a 45. That was going to be great. Yeah. Bonnie and Clyde action. They were going to have the co-op players revive each other by doing Kiss. <laughs> Some defences that the developers have made of this game include this wonderful line. Almost all of the outrage and critique I've heard are from people who were not in Fallujah. <laughs> Apparently you're not allowed to have... You're not allowed to have a perspective on this if you weren't in Fallujah. <laughs> oh have they talked to anybody living in Fallujah right now? Out of curiosity. Uh, they've talked to a lot of people who are not currently in Fallujah who were there, but I don't think they've talked to any Fallujah residents. Hmm. Have they seen more than five photos of Fallujah? Oh, Jesus fucking... Were, th were the developers there? Or are they also trying to speak, be like, oh, well, we weren't here either. So we're just going to make a game where we guess what happened? Oh, God. Oh, God. The, the game industry is amazing. Additionally, and I think this is the last quote I'll pull out of this, the only thing that I fear is that fundamentally, when we cut through everything, people's objection here is uh, to six days in Fallujah is more an objection to the Iraq war. Well, I mean, that is kind of the point, is that people have an objection to... The glorifying of the Iraq no. War. It's not that you're making a game in the Iraq War, it's that you are making a game that seemingly is going to be a very one-sided pro-American military yeah. game set in the Iraq War. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. is the problem. That's, that's the whole, you summed it up perfectly, that's the fucking problem. This yeah. is the epitome of, no... I'm saving mum for Monday. <laughs> yeah, I will say this. Um, I would recommend people go and check Rami Ismail's uh, tweet thread. That uh, It was published on the 15th of February, if you're looking for it. It starts with a tweet that says, okay, we're going to go through this and explain why it sucks. It is a very interesting thread that goes through the Polygon interview bit by bit and talks specifically about the very specific problems with how this interview is portraying and the game seems to be approaching that particular conflict. It's a very well-written thread. So yeah, Six Days in Fallujah is a conversation we're going to ultimately end up having for a bit, I'm sure. How pathetic. What? Just what <sighs> a pathetic outfit. Yeah. What a pathetic project. We'll come back to news in a bit. Who's played something? I feel hey. the need to get onto played stuff. Look, video games are expensive to make. Yeah. Bobby Cotty gets $30 million a year. Who's played a video game? <laughs> I, I've played a video game? you played a lot of video games. For fuck's sake, the pair of you. I've been often playing some video games, so why not? I'll talk oh, about it. Oh, go for it. Uh, I've been playing some Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury on the Switch. I saw, but mostly heard because I was monster hunting you playing <laughs> that. Yeah, me having my, my little Bowser's Fury time. Yeah, you stream on Laurel K Buzz on Twitch. Yeah, Mondays, Wednesdays and yeah. Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Oh, often preceded by Con that Conrad Zimmerman on Twitch. Yeah, That's true. Oh, exactly. Yeah. If any of the listeners need mine, fuck you. <laughs> you you should have been on board from the start you ungrateful swine i love you uh, <laughs> i'll start with super mario 3d world because it's port of a game that already existed mm. port of a wii u game i really like 3d world as a as a mario game um for anyone who's never played it because no one fucking owned the wii u it is a midpoint between the 2d and 3d mario games it was interesting i didn't I only played it when it came out and not... Well, I can't remember... I can't remember a thing. <laughs> I was tempted to get it, but I, I don't know if I'll... I'll probably end up doing the same thing. Just forget yeah. I've got it. I've been having fun with it. It's, it's halfway between the 2D and 3D games in that it is <laughs> like individual, very linear levels, but you have 3D space to run around in. You're not on a on a fixed plane. One of the things that like I, I think is really, really enjoyable about this game is the local multiplayer support. I've tried playing Mario games in multiplayer before. Um, typically a lot of the like new Super Mario Brothers side-scroller ones. None of them are very good in multiplayer because when you're all on a fixed plane, you get a lot of issues of, I tried to jump on the thing at the same time as you, and you knocked me off the platform, and, like, a lot of unnecessary clutter and chaos that makes it not necessarily fun 
to play in multiplayer. The fact that this has a much sort of more zoomed out perspective, it's got a lot more physical space to move around in, means that you can have more of a co-op experience where you're not negatively impacting the other person playing's ability to do the platforming. Uh, There's a couple of levels in this, they're not common and they're largely avoidable that do involve motion control as a replacement for the uh, the Wii U gamepad's touchscreen support. Fun levels, the motion control doesn't feel great, um, which is a bit of a shame, but I mean, largely it's 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 one of the better mario games mm-hmm. what I, what i perhaps enjoyed more is they as part of this re-release they've added in a new little adventure called Bowser's Fury which is like 3 to 6 hours depending on how much of a completionist you want to be it's more in depth of a thing than I expected out of something being f- thrown in for free as part of a, a re-release because there's a lot more care and attention and creativity in this than I would have expected. It's an open world environment in which small linear levels are sort of dotted around and you're not sort of having to load into a specific level. It's just, oh, here's some platforms and some bridges and some boxes just popped in in the level and you go do your short little bit of Mario objective doing go go off and do another level and when you come back to this environment later there'll be new things to do they'll huh. swap the enemies out hmm. there, there are no like mountains you have to climb and then slip down when it fucking rains no, do you no no oh, when God. when when rain happens in this it doesn't impact your ability right. to climb <laughs> i like it when things happen in games that don't stop me playing the game monster <laughs> but like I really like this as a proof of concept and would be really interested in playing a full Mario game with this kind of setup. Mm-hmm. It is it is lots of small sandbox things where it's like, look, here is one objective, go do it, it's not going to take you very long, but you just walk away, come back, here's a new thing to do in it. And they, they do a good job of making each of these small individual levels feel very different each time you come back to them, which is very nice. Also, Mario turns into a Goku cat kaiju to have big boss fights. Good. Which I'm not going to complain about any video game putting that in. It took him long enough. Yeah. Yeah, so there's this whole... Rather than a traditional timer system that you get in some Mario games to pressure you to get to the end of a level, every now and then while you're playing, a giant Bowser will come and storm in and... Start throwing, you know, big comets at you from the sky oh, and like, causing lots of. Basically, everything gets thunderstormy and rock music comes in and everything gets a little bit more dangerous. I'll tell you what, Laura. I'm sick of Bowser's shit. You're sick of Bowser's shit? Oh, I'm absolutely sick of Bowser's nonsense. Good for you, there's a way to get rid of him and <gasps> his bullshit. If you go complete an objective or finish a level, he buggers off. Oh. So it's it's just a nice little pressure thing to be there to be like, hey, if you've spent a while on this level, like, pottering around not, not getting it finished, oh, Bowser's here, now you've got some drama and some something to sort of be like, ah, oh, shit, I better get a move on to finish this. Oh. Which I kind of enjoyed. It's not a particularly big experience. Like, six hours, you could probably get every collectible in it. If you're someone who played 3D World all the way through and loved it and has no interest in replaying it, I can't recommend buying this re-release for $50 just to get Bowser's Fury. But if you have any interest in 3D World generally, Bowser's Fury is a really nice addition that I... I'm really glad I played and I had I had a good time with. Cool. Yeah. What about you both? Have either of you played anything? I played a thousand and one spikes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I love a thousand and one spikes. It's wonderful, right? It's just delightful. If you're not familiar with it, it is one of those murderously hard platformers that like you say, Oh, that's not fair, but that's kind of the point is that you're not necessarily forewarned about the many, many ways in which this game is going to kill you with a spike trap that appears underneath your feet (laughs) or with a blow dart head that shoots at you just the right time to hit you when you're making a drop because you didn't anticipate it. But at the same time, you can see all of these elements and you know the times when there is a, a spike pit that appears underneath you, well, then you just you hear the noise or you see the little red lines on your character, and if you're quick enough, you can avoid it. Um, but it's a game that you know very much has a specific way it wants you to attempt each level. But what's really fun about it is 
as you play, you can unlock other characters and they're largely characters from other indie games that have their own special abilities that reflect how they play in their games and can totally break all of the levels. And I've just started unlocking some of them again, and that's super fun. 8-Bit Fanatics is, uh, it was one of the few developers that made a good Xbox Live indie game. Mm. They made Tempura of the Dead. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah. Yeah, that's a blast from the past. Right? You play as both President Obama and a ghost Sam I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but you're called President Thompson because you're carrying a Tommy gun. And it's a combination where you switch between these two characters with a ranged attack and a melee attack. And you want to do it frequently because I believe it's the the sword attack will allow you to turn enemies into tempura shrimp after <laughs> they've taken enough damage. And it's it's ridiculous. Ridiculous and fun and so strange and everything they do has this deep, deep affection for old school games and like Thousand and One Spikes, it's a, in a lot of ways you could compare it to Montezuma's Revenge, uh, which is a classic trap filled nightmare platform. Bloody hell. <sighs> I thought Tempura of the Dead was was my <laughs> bloody hell. Yeah. Mon- it's, oh, it's <laughs> been well, fuck. Right. So oh, um, it's God. it's super fun. It's the so full name is Aben Hawkins in the Thousand One Spikes. It has some really bizarre, funny characterization. And but but at its core is this, you know, kind of punishing, but very satisfying platformer. It's it's on Steam. I can't recommend it enough. I have fantastic music. That's another thing for a game that you're going to be like dying over and over and over and over again. That background music's got to be something good or you're just going to turn it off or turn the game off. And it it's hot the whole way through. I, I love that game so much. So get it if you haven't played it and you like platformers. All right. Jim, what you been playing? Oh, yeah, I could do one. Oh, God, video games are expensive to make. Activision pays no tax. That is true and correct. Well, it's because they're so expensive to make. Well, that's it. Oh, God. Oh, I love paying Activision's taxes, as well as my own. It almost feels like when a company makes as much money as that, that they should be contributing to taxes. Oh, be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, give us give us a break. A business that needs to be subsidised by taxes oh. probably isn't a, a business. Its CEO could pay all of our taxes and still be mega rich anyway. Goes without saying, I've been playing Monster Hunter. You know, fun for all the family. I love stateless effects. The ones that happen to me. And you've got to, because it's... So frequent. I've seen that on your stream uh, you on, did. on Twitch. Uh, I think that's a twitch.tv slash Jim Sterling. Oh, yeah. 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 I've seen you take poison a lot. Oh, yeah. Because you all were on stream with me yesterday. That's and right. every time I got poisoned, I interrupted you while you spoke so that you could <laughs> feel how I did. Um, I played Lizard Lady versus the cats. Yeah, you you did. You did play that. You, you we did. did see that. Yeah. Yes, I I streamed it a little bit after my my monster hunting yesterday. Right. Fucking hell. So you play a lizard lady, I guess. I'm not sure if she's been mashed together from random assets or not, but she's got like horrible like lumpy scale torso. There's there is a a texture. On that character model? Yeah, she looks like she's got grayscale. I think I said yesterday she looks like in a hacker film in the 80s where they <clears throat> they have like a character going through the internet pipes to show what hacking is. Right. Yes. It, the whole thing has a very sort of, you know, what what the early 90s thought virtual reality would look like. Mm. And it's... Oh, fucking hell. So all it is is this weird lizard lady with an aggressively animated ass when she walks the walking animation is on its own worth the 49 cents entry fee this is on ps4 i've been playing it on my ps5 have i been playing any hot new ps5 games fuck no (laughs) i've been playing lizard lady versus the cats for 49 cents well it sure is good that it's impossible to get a playstation 5 well yeah yeah <laughs> but also a good job that the ps4 is readily available and a little bit cheaper so you can get on that lizard lady versus the cats tip so yeah yeah yeah, it's very exciting 
Uh, very exciting game. Ow! It's a series of... I poked my thumb with the tail <laughs> of a mini Boglin. Oh, they're fucking hard. This is what happens. I'm, I get bored while I'm talking. Oh, I hate... I hate my own company. Anyway, <laughs> it's a series of small maps... I may have already talked longer than it takes to beat the campaign. Yeah. It's a series of small maps filled with cats, like cat ladies. They look sort of like the lowest res cat woman you could ever imagine. They all look the same but different colours except for the skating ones that just sort of skate towards you. They shoot you with a gun, the ones that don't skate, and you shoot them. Now, there's a lock-on system. It's L2. What, which what you would, you know, traditionally an aim sights, but there's no aiming sights. So it's R2 fire, L2, the triggers to, to uh, lock on and shoot. Now, when you've killed an enemy, it doesn't like auto snap to the next target or anything. And most enemies die in one hit. So you have to constantly just take your fingers on and off both triggers. Like it's a fucking Quantic Dream game or something. Like, like it's Indigo Prophecy with aiming. And... It's, I mean, it's like that War of the Worlds game. Just me describing it will not put an adequate picture in your head. The jumping and the rolling alone is is something to behold. But yeah, yeah, you you go through, you know, it takes less than 10 minutes. And then right at the end, you get um, a little teaser that says to be concluded in Lizard Lady versus herself. <gasps> and I'm like, fuck you, game. Ooh. 49 cents. And this is how you do me. I want my money back. But then I go on the title screen and see, what's this I see in the corner? <gasps> Lizard Lady versus herself. Oh, this better not be a stall. Oh, no. Three whole levels. <gasps> yeah. Those are endless uh, modes. Not, I can't even call them wave-based. They just, <laughs> just Lizard Ladies spawn and you shoot them. <laughs> And that's the the thrilling conclusion is three levels of progressively less effort because one is laid out again like a maze. The second one is interesting in that it's sort of um, a structure of platforms in a void, but that's it. And then the third one is where they clearly just gave the fuck up and it's just a, it's just nothing. It's just the floor and some red. It's a red floor with like a red hazy atmosphere and then lizard ladies just coming at you and just run around. There's just nothing. That's the thrilling conclusion of the lizard lady saga. Fucking hell. 49 cents. I mean... (laughs) Yeah. I got my money's worth, I think. Sure. I think I got... Like, I've played games for free that offend me more because of the time investment. Right. But just, I guess the... Not outstaying its welcome probably yeah, helped. It helped, and I think just the sheer bluntness of what it is. It's a real good sort of look at a developer that started trying and then just didn't. And that's worth it for 49 cents. You, you know, show that on your, your game design courses. Like, look at this. Yeah. Do this. Ah, right. What, what, what else has been played this week? You've played a bunch of stuff. Ah! played a, a, a lot of little bits of things. I continue to play Deep Rock Galactic, which is that um, multiplayer co-op uh, sort of mining and going and doing missions game that I've talked about a couple of times recently. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that game. I've been very pleasantly pleased with the level of post-release support that game has been getting. has been very nice. There was a big update uh, just before the weekend when I played some of it that, you know, did a lot of, like, you know, reasonable updates to the game, like, oh, oh, we've changed how this mission works and we've balanced this and we've added some new content. By far the most important thing that it did that tells me that they are actually listening to their community, there is a escort mission type where you are trying to take a big drill to a location to have a boss fight against a big big geode. And on the top of this this big mechanised drill is a little robot head, a little droid head uh, called Doretta. There's like this little R2-D2 bleep loops adorable robot. And until now, when you do this mission, eventually you destroy the geode, you make your escape. You have to leave the drill behind, including this little adorable, lovable robot in the drill that just sort of makes sad beep boops at you as you have to abandon them and go go evacuate because the drill's broken. Sad lonely robot. Sad lonely robot. Oh. They updated the game in this new update so you can now detach the little robot 
at the end of the mission and take it back with you to uh, to escape. There is no mechanical benefit to doing so. You don't get any extra points. It is actively difficult to do because you have no ability to use your traversal stuff while you're carrying it. But you can take this little happy beat boot robot back with you back to the, the, the escape point and there's a little special little seat for them in, in the evacuation pod that you can put them on. I think that's a bigger artistic walk back than the idea of reviving Aerith. Mm. I think that's fucking shameful. <laughs> But, like, legitimately that brought such a needless thing that brought me joy that I'm like, okay, I feel like you have your pulse on what the players want. But yeah, it, it's 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 nice to have a game that I'm popping into for a couple of hours every weekend, and I'm continuing to have a lot of fun with it. You show me someone who doesn't want to leave the robot behind, and I'll show you someone who doesn't want to be, dare I say, challenged. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, they play. Uh... I, I mean, you still have the choice to leave the robot behind. Well, you have that choice. They didn't take away your ability to leave the robot behind. It's not a compelling, heart-rending choice unless there's some plasmids into the bargain. <laughs> Let's talk art. I like Bioshock. Yeah. The, the only the only other, like, real complaint I have about it at the moment, and, like, it's a complaint I had about Hades as well. You know how in Hades there's that Wait a whole... minute, you had a complaint about Hades? I had, I had one. Oh, you know I won't tolerate opinions. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, you know the mirror that you do all the upgrades in in Hades yeah. that has the other side that has all of the other upgrades oh, fucking that the game hell. does yeah. a fucking terrible job of telling you there's a whole other sheet of upgrades mm-hmm. you can get. This has a very similar thing, where there's just an entire upgrade system that you can just completely miss if you don't realize you can click on a certain like monitor somewhere in the base it's like oh there's a whole system here that i could have been upgrading that would have made my life a lot easier yeah there's one of those but like that's the biggest complaint i have about it right now i'm having a lot of fun it's it's been my nice saturday afternoon co-op game nice nice yeah Yeah. conrad what about you you've been playing anything else uh yeah so um earlier i was talking about 1001 spikes and 8 bits fanatics and so after i had played 1001 spikes i was like yeah whatever happened to them and it turns out they did keep making some games uh and they put one out in 2019 called steel sword story and so i found that on steam and i played that and it's good. It is a side-scrolling linear platformer. You play as a little samurai guy. Uh, you start out with a sword swig that has a little, you know, wave that goes out a bit of distance. So you have some range and you're just whacking enemies through these stages. It borrows some UI aesthetic from Dark Souls and some a little bit of mechanical gameplay from Dark Souls at the end mm. of each stretch of levels before you encounter a boss. Dark Souls. There's Sorry, a uh, just feeling hardcore. Yeah, there's a fountain that lets you restore all of your health and, of course, the potions that you get to use to restore health. Uh, you can also pray there and increase your maximum health. Speaking of things that I didn't realize you could do until I was most of the way through the game. Oh, gets expensive real quick and also at the end of each of these sections you encounter a a character that sells you an ability upgrade and you know it's a double jump or an in-air dash or the ability to have gems the currency of the game be collected automatically because it's one of those games where enemies drop them and then they bounce around oh don't make that an upgrade don't make that an upgrade you you slimy bastards it was just at the point where it was starting to become cumbersome to do it so they they timed it well Mm. um and it wasn't too outrageously expensive just outrageously expensive enough and you can revisit the levels and use these uh abilities to maybe find hidden upgrades to damage and armor and other things you have a a magic spell that's a fireball that you can increase the use of and gets more powerful over time there might even be other types that i haven't found yet uh it feels like there's a fair bit of stuff just sort of tucked away that even though i've made it a a good stretch of the way through to the uh, supposed end of the game based on the map uh, i'm probably going to be going back through and finding a bunch of stuff for a while yet it was fun i grabbed it in the lunar new year sale pretty cheap so that makes it easy i think it's probably like 10 bucks which isn't outrageous for a fun little indie platform but it, it, you know it, it's five bucks so yeah just buy that too while you're getting thousand one spikes just pick that up too 
because it's it's also a lot of fun. I'll be playing that on my stream if you want to check it out this Friday on twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman at 2 p.m. Eastern. Nice. Yeah. Laura, you play more stuff? Uh, I played a couple more things. I went back to Wilmot's Warehouse because mm. I've been real busy with work recently and that is like a really good game for just unwinding and calming down. I th- we've talked about it on this show before. It's a game about organizing things in a warehouse, mm-hmm. not by any sort of predetermined uh, organizational structure. Anytime I come back to this game, I always just start a fresh save file. Like, every time I play this game, I will play it for, like, you know, a a week or so, leave it for a little bit, and come back and be like, right, starting over from scratch. I don't want to have to remember what my organizational system was before, give me new starting items, and let me... Let me go through the fun bit, because the fun bit for me is the early sections of, yeah, what are my my categories going to be? What what feels right? So yeah, I've been diving back into that and continue to have fun. I kind of I want to stream some more of it again soon, because it's a very common game to stream. And I played some SSX. Oh. I, yeah, I saw that you had played some SSX, and I thought, now that's interesting. Is it, is it interesting? It's interesting that in the year, I mean, not to make a present year argument, but <laughs> it is 2021. And now, and there have been a few games over the years to have the name SSX on its own, if I'm not mistaken, because they did a re- reboot or two of that series. Yeah. So I'm also interested to know which SSX you played. Uh, I played... Uh, the one that is currently on Game Pass, which I would have to double check which one that is, because I... It, the 360 one. Okay, let me see. It is simply called SSX, and it is on the 360. Oh, you see, it's not on my... Uh, it's not on PC Game Pass, so... Ah, it's on X- It's on Game Pass on Xbox. Uh-huh. I don't know whether it's considered one of the good ones or not. I don't know. I don't remember it being, but that, what do I know? I was having a craving for snowboarding games. They are one of the few genres of sports games that I have really fond memories of and we'll go back and play sometimes. SSX, the 361, is certainly not a bad snowboarding game. I didn't play a huge amount of it, but it's uh, drop you at the top of a mountain, uh, use your right stick to do uh, tricks when you leap. I'm not so sure on the jumping button, because the way they've set jumping up is that you hold down the clicked left stick to get ready to jump and let go when you want to jump, which is not super intuitive. Um, my brain had a bit of wrangling to get around it, but I like the system of how they use the analog stick to do certain tricks. It feels like there's a good amount of control in that. And then it's got its little arcade aspects where if you do enough good tricks in a row, you get like, ah, here's your tricky meter. And now you've got unlimited boost and you get a bunch of cool additional moves and you can feel really cool for like a minute and a half and then you build it back up. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I remember. It was, uh, the 361 was generally considered pretty good. Okay. They only didn't like the the lack of the multiplier. And apparently it was a better success than, I'm just reading from the Wikipedia, EA's first person shooter syndicate. (laughs) Which the company was expecting to perform successfully. How do these people have jobs? It was never going to. I, I have zero interest in multiplayer, so that's fine. It is exactly what I expected it to be. It is a good, competent, slightly arcadey, trick-based snowboarding game. Yeah, looking at this, it's it, I missed, I skipped this one, I think, and it was like the last one I had played was the one before it. Yeah, I think it was the Wii one that I was craving. It was on tour. On tour. You've uh. got SSX, SSX Tricky, SSX3, then on tour, Blur, and SSX. Blur was the one I got really into on the Wii. I I really enjoyed it. It was much more arcadey. It was much more exaggerated and cartoonish, and it was it was, it was a lot of fun. I actually can't believe because because I don't I don't mega follow games like this. It's just not generally a thing I'm into. But I remember SSX because I was a lot more sort of covering the game mm-hmm. release side of, of game stuff, you know, yeah. typical game news beat. And I can't believe that the last time I heard of SSX was the last time there was an SSX. I'm like, surely, I, <laughs> surely I'm out of touch with the series. I can't actually mm. believe it's been that long without one. SSX that's on Xbox Game Pass at the moment, it is a very solo experience and the one thing that I was missing that I was sort of craving from Blur that isn't in this is Blur was a lot more focused on downhill snowboarding races 
where it's like, hey, here's like five snowboarders starting at the top of a thing. Get down to the bottom as fast as you can. Find your best route down. I like some of that in a snowboarding game. Oh, yeah. I play games to escape. I don't need one that's all downhill. Ah, <laughs> uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh. So yeah, I'm probably going to play around a bit with that this week because it's it's just brainless fun. I like snowboarding games because I don't have to think about them very much. Jim, have you played anything else this week? Yeah, Pasongus. 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 Everyone's favourite. The fifth Pasongus. The fifth Pasongus. Uh, yeah, I've been playing Persona 5 again. I played it years and years and years ago and I thought, hey, since I finally got my money's worth out of Monster Hunter after buying it years ago and barely touching it. Maybe <laughs> I could do that with... Maybe the dream can happen. I could do it with Persona 5 as well. Restarted it, but only like an hour before we recorded. So I'm like, oh, let's get that <laughs> downloaded and let's get some gameplay done. I forgot it was a JRPG. So uh, next week I'll be able to tell you about some gameplay. <laughs> Uh, until then, I had one battle at the beginning. Yeah, you got that that little sort of uh, in media res beginning, and then it's like, hey, we got to spend forty minutes telling you about just, you living in a coffee shop. Yeah, just fucking around. <laughs> um, and I mean, in fairness, there are certain games that have a certain sort of loop like that that I find. I don't know what the word is. I like the sense of comfort, I guess, that comes from a, yeah. a game with something of a routine. Mm. It's why I, I wish I liked Shenmue. Yeah. I think it's why I, I get into Animal Crossing briefly, even though I kind of don't like it. There is still this sense of a routine. And I, I guess I like a sense of structure when I have none for real. Mm-hmm. Um, a video game telling me what to do. <laughs> and that's all right. I've never agreed with you on a video game opinion more than that. <laughs> Um, But yeah, yeah, games like that where it's like, oh, I wake up in this familiar thing here and then go do this familiar. Like, I like that. Yeah, it's it's grounded. You know, it's not wake up and wander around confused for an hour. Yeah. Mind you, you can do that in many games as well. Yeah. Um, Certainly I do. But yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to getting back into it. My brain being what it is, I don't remember too much. I remember the volleyball teacher and that whole arc, and I remember that being oh, all yeah, very... Yeah, the, yeah. The, the very first um, arc yeah. you come across. I vaguely remember the, the final fight, like like the volleyball yeah. look. I, rem- I don't exactly remember it, but I remember it being quite startling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, all the visual designs and, and the general sense of flair that that series has. The, the whole aesthetic and everything is very, very good. Yes. On, on that note, I am so excited for, I think it's Saturday this week that it comes out, Persona 5 Strikers. That's why I remember Persona exists. Yeah, yeah. Which, as best I can tell, is a is narratively a sequel to Persona 5, but it's a Warriors game, and everything I've seen of it looks really cool, so I'm, I'm, I am definitely going to be talking Persona 5 Strikers next okay. week. Yeah, I think what I'm going to do... Is I'll 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 have a quick rush through Persona Five, get that done by Saturday, and then I'll play the Fun Dynasty Warriors one, which I I didn't actually start Persona Five to do that. It just reminded you that it existed. Yeah, I I just saw Persona Five Strikers and was like, is that another re-release? No, okay, well I will just replay Persona Five for a bit and and that. So yeah, you know, I I expect to breeze through that in about six six seven hours, uh, and then move on it's been nice to have a break from monster hunter which i'm still obsessed with (laughs) yeah but you can fill up a bit too much uh comrade did you have any other games left you wanted to talk about Uh, well the only other thing i I really played this week and not very much of it because it does keep crashing my pc uh, but i've been playing sunset overdrive Mm. oh wow yeah i remember that yeah, I, well, I'd always been kind of curious about it. It yeah, looked like something okay. fun. Yeah, it's not bad. I, the thing I can't get over is if you said to me, okay, here's the pitch. The, the Ratchet & Clank developers are going to make a game specifically for the Xbox audience mm-hmm. and how Xbox seems to want to make games. Mm. And I'd sit back and I'd think about it for a second, and I would already have in my head every fucking thing <laughs> that's in this game. Uh, and it's it's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, uh, it's fun, but it is so that weird comic edgy and then i'm like looking through wikipedia stuff on it and they're like oh probably one of the inspirations for this is the young ones and i'm like yeah all right yeah yeah, yeah all right fine 
<laughs> There's a prominent NeoGAF reference in that game. Oh. Even at the time, yeah. I was like, hmm, that's, <laughs> that's 5% of the audience will even get it, and it will be very old sounding in about a year. Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, pleasant enough. Uh, when it lets me play it. It's one of the Xbox games that I think of from last generation most positively, in that it felt like it had an identity and concept of its own. I'm probably going to get some flack for this. I think a lot of Microsoft's first-party big AAA franchises often feel very much like they're following the mould of other things the industry is doing, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they do them very well, but it's nice when I get to see a Microsoft-developed game with some colour and some exaggerated uh, performances and some silliness. I'm a big sucker for garish, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, oversaturated kind of stuff. I, it's a very vivid game and I my, my eyes like it. It's nice to play a game that doesn't take itself too seriously and is quite colourful and exaggerated. And there's not a lot of Microsoft's lineup that is like that. I mean, back then there wasn't a lot of that at all like it, it was just coming out of the whole you know gray yeah sludgy era of games that were all copying each other uh in way more boring way like everything copies each other now but at least all the hero shooters and and all of that shit has a lot of colorful characters yeah you know, you know and i'll say this it's made me chuckle yeah lots of games that are trying to be funny can't accomplish that indeed and it, it feels fun to play. Their whole movement system and combat system feel fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's pleasant. Yeah. yeah. I went back and played it when the Series X came out because I was just looking for stuff sure. to play. And I had a similarly just, yeah, yeah, this is nice. I will say, though, all of the orange splatty splat does look kind of very yummy for me. Mm. Yummy, yummy in your tummy. Yeah, I wouldn't mind gobbling that up. Are you one of the OD? Oh, yeah. Uh, see, there you go. Um, 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 um. Consuming more than one piece at a time may cause irritation to mouth. <laughs> Sensitive individuals should not consume this product. This is where I've been... Oh, that's why I can't have toxic no. Sensitive. I'm one of the most sensitive people around. <laughs> uh, we got a couple of news stories before we finish up this week. In the, the most video game headline I saw this week, Stadia Leadership praised development studios for great progress just one week before laying them all off. <laughs> well, let's, I mean, hey, listen, you, you, you all have done a really, really great <laughs> job thus far. Oh, that was badly timed laughter on my part. That sounded like I was laughing at the situation. Instead, I just read on the toxic waste barrel, uh, full toxic head. <laughs> Sorry. So, you know what makes this story a... All the better. Today, it was pointed out to me that Jade Raymond, who was uh, brought over to Stadia to be the head of one of their development studios making Stadia games, tweeted out this article with this headline, which tells you A, that it is accurate, and B, that there is some real bad blood with the developers who got laid off. Well, it validates a lot of this story that Jade Raymond is like, yeah, yeah, Stadia leadership praised us a week before letting, letting us all off. It tracks. You work f with Google, you'll get fucked. You work with Amazon, eventually you'll get fucked over. And I'm not saying that in like a, a judgy blaming way, I'm saying that's why I believe it. Because it's the exact kind of shitty tech company move that they would do. Mm -hmm. And and I, yeah. I, we talked about this on, and again, this is one of them ones, I'm going to have to come up with some sort of way that Podquisition and Jimquisition aren't the same thing. But I'm going to save again a bit, but as I said on the stream yesterday when we talked about it a bit, like, are they just doing it for the, the joy of the cruelty? Because you've got either this, where it's like you're all doing a great job while they they know they're going to, you know, kick them all out. Yeah. And then on the other end, you've got things like the before the big Blizzard layoffs in 2019, months throughout the Christmas period, it, the sort of Damocles was over their head. They weren't sure when they were coming and who, like when the layoffs were coming and who would get laid off. And and no one in leadership cared to reassure or, yeah. you know, pull the thorn out or, or, you know, just be honest and communicative. And when it comes to Google and communication, fuck me. Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah. So there's a snippet of the email that allegedly went out five days before they were all laid off. Uh, Stadia Games and Entertainment has made some great progress, building a diverse and talented team, establishing a strong lineup of Stadia exclusive games. They haven't. They haven't fucking released any of them. Mm. We will confirm investment envelope shortly, which will in turn inform strategy for 2021, which apparently very much was implying like, oh yeah, we'll let you know like what budget we have yeah. for uh, investing in more games in the next week. Like, oh yeah, okay, oh yeah, we'll... we'll. It's one of those exact words situations. It's restructuring. It's, yes. you know. It's possible to read that as, uh, we will inform the strategy which is laying you off in the coming days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's basically what they're saying. And, and it's stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. are they tittering to themselves as they write that? Like, are they going tee-hee, tee-hee? Because it's... What what scum? As is all often the case with these shitty stories, Stadia developers learned the news at almost the exact did same they? time that the public did. Did they? Fuck yeah, they. yeah. yeah. Basically, no pre-warning before Absolute the public knew. Shocker. Yeah. I fucking uh, do no evil. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. Uh, there's some nice stories to, to end up, though. Some positive, good ones. Was it the guy who ran Zynga who had a sign in his office that said, Be evil? One of them did. <laughs> one of these CEOs at one of these fucking God, companies really? had Be evil. Uh, that, that's got the same energy as David Cage having the word emotions on the wall. Yeah, yeah. It's got the same energy as a pantomime villain. Uh, well... Should we end with a nice story that's just a positive thing that is like, yeah, I think we can agree that this is good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We got, we got one of those. Yeah. Microsoft has announced a game accessibility testing program for PC and Xbox. They've always been up on that. They've been ahead of the curve on this consistently. Yeah. So in a, in a blog post this week, basically Microsoft said, hey, first of all, here's a bunch of new guidelines that we as a company are going to try and make to improve our, you know, accessibility and to work on that and to keep trying to improve. Uh, here we are laying them out. But also, are you making a game for Xbox or PC that you want help knowing how it could be more accessible? Let us know. Show us the game. We will make the effort to help you learn how to make your game more accessible. Hmm. We will give you a detailed breakdown of what you can do that would probably make it better in that regard. And that's just a really positive thing, because that is a big, big company going, hey, we will do the legwork of knowledge. Is, is your excuse for not being accessible not knowing? Come to us. We will let you know. We will give you advice on how to do this, which is just a positive thing. You love to hear it. Yeah. That's a good thing for the, for the industry. Yeah. There we go. We ended on, on something nice. Hang on one second. Hang on one second. Are we allowed to do that? Oh, Rush Limburgh died while we were recording. Oh, hang on. Wow. Whoa. 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 Rush Limbaugh died? Oh, man. While we were recording. <sighs> that bums me out. I mean, I really wanted him to live a lot longer and suffer. Mm. Uh, as, as someone from who lives in the UK, Rush Limbaugh is conservative... Personality. Oh, Rush Limbaugh is a right was a right wing radio host who, in many ways, helped shape the uh, tone and politics of the Republican Party in this country. Ah, yeah. okay. I was aware of the name and the broad strokes. I just want to say I've I've sort of dug a, dug a bit deeper. Um, three weeks ago, uh, Geddy Lee did an interview where he brought up Neil Peart. Mm. So. That rush is fine. Oh. He's he's knocking about. So, yeah, uh, Laura, do you want uh, to let people know what they can, you know, look at that you've got? Prom promotional yeah, whatnot. Yeah, promotional stuff. Go for it. Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. I've got books. Gender Euphoria. That's a that's a book about about trans and autism stuff. It's true. It's a real book. Yeah. There's also things I learned from Mario's Butt, which is out now, which has pictures of video game character bottoms oh, and yeah. a bunch of reviews of them, and a bunch of guests and developer interviews, and it's out now. Go get it. Uh, then June tenth, twenty twenty one. There is Gender Euphoria. That's that's an anthology of just a bunch of people having positive affirming gender affirming experiences. As non cis people, that's that that's a thing I'm excited to put out. And then there's 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 podcasts. There's Pixel Squirt, which is about video game character pornography. 
There's Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't video games, like board games and films and such. There is Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on that. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and seven, which is about to wrap up. Also, Conrad, you've been on Dice Funk and you do other stuff. Oh my gosh, I do. I do all sorts of stuff. You can find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You could watch me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, starting at 2 p.m. Eastern, and often on Sundays for a little spelunky starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, I do other podcasts. But uh, specifically, I want to draw attention. I've got a new podcast. <gasps> you do. I do. It just dropped. And I'm excited about it. It's pretty fun. It's called Let's Talk About Snacks. Um, I do it with Lauren Morgan, also of Dice Funk. Uh, we have a whole lot of fun talking about um, snacks. We make snacks. We review snacks. We talk about upcoming trends in snacks. If you need something, you know, that's a, a little snack oriented in your podcast diet. I highly, highly recommend it. It's real good. Thank you very much. It's yeah, it's on all the platforms now. Um, rate, review, iTunes, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, go check Check it out. Let's talk about snacks. You can also buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks at conradreads.com. Or you can support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash fistshark. Speaking of Patreon, Jim, don't you have a Patreon? Oh, yeah. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Fuck me till I fart. (laughs) (laughs) 